Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. My guest today is a Grammy Award winning vocalist and actress whose career has spanned over two decades. She's best known as a member of one of the top female R&B groups of all time, Destiny's Child, and she's been seen on Broadway in productions such as Aida, The Color Purple, and Chicago, just to name a few. And now as an addition to her extensive resume and career accomplishments, she can add the title of author. We're going to be talking about her career, her journey through depression, and her debut novel, Checking In. Michelle Williams, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me, Melinda. I'm excited to talk to you. I've heard lots about you. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, I I do have to thank you because in reading your book, it really takes a certain amount of strength to be as vulnerable the way that you were in your book, but it also takes a very particular type of faith and trust in God to allow yourself to share your truth in that way, but also hope and trust that in sharing your truth that you were doing the right thing and doing it at the right time. And, um, you know, there's so much that you tackled in the book that I resonated with. And as someone that also sings and acts and involves herself in so many things, I also have battled with depression and anxiety, but my coping mechanism has always been to just keep working. And in, in recent years, I found lots of moments of clarity, especially now that I'm a mom and realize that I have to take a step back and take better care of myself. So for you, what was your moment of clarity when you realized first and foremost that you needed to get help with dealing with how you were feeling? And secondly, at what point did you feel comfortable sharing with the people closest to you about what you were going through? Um, well, for me, the, the first time I believe I got like professional therapy, ooh, was it like 2010-ish or something like that? And um, that's when I noticed my responses were just a little out of character. Um, I was feeling at moments like out of body. And those were just panic and anxiety attacks that I didn't know that that's that's what it was, because I never had like an anxiety attack in my life mm -hmm. up until that that moment. And so my mother um, knew of someone. Um, my mother was a she's a registered a retired registered nurse and so you know she's got she was fairly resourceful and led me to my first therapist ever and that's when we began to peel back certain layers you know but I think for me um you know when you first go to therapy sometimes uh, it's something bad that happens that leads someone to therapy right so mm -hmm. I would go to therapy and then once I felt like we got that issue resolved I stopped going so there are times I wouldn't go for like six months because I was like all's right all is right in the world for me yeah but you know fast forward to 2018 to the time where I had uh, when I checked myself into the treatment facility and then at the so that was in July of 2018 and then in December of 2018, um, you know, my engagement ended and all of that stuff. And so I from 2018 to now, I'm in consistent therapy. Like, I just mm -hmm. don't wait until something happens. You know, sometimes it's just like, you know, I had therapy yesterday. And so it was kind of like just me processing something that I was feeling. I took a trip not too long ago and there were some 
feelings that were arising, it's not that they were bad feelings. They were natural feelings of like feeling like I didn't, I didn't feel like I belonged. And so she's like, okay, let's talk about this because, you know, because when you, when you let those feelings linger and you don't process them, it can lead to depression. But by the time I got off that therapy session, I was enlightened. And I was like, oh, that's why I felt that way. Because it always goes back to something from the past. So you uproot that thing and say, and the next time I ever feel that way, you know, I'm able to be like, "Mm -mm." you might feel, um, you might feel, disconnected because your life might be a little different than everybody there but that doesn't mean you don't belong just because you're different right right like her she made me feel like she said she said you know if I go to a meeting and there's nothing but men in the room I'm gonna feel different but that doesn't mean I don't belong yeah you know so my feeling was I went somewhere and everybody was married and had their kids and all that stuff. And I'm like the only single person. And I'm like, mm. she said, yeah, that's you, you're different. But that don't mean you don't belong. Right. You that's be, such a it, strong distinction. Great? Yeah. So when she told me that, I said, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, and so it's never, you know, my fiance was white. So I can imagine him going into a room full of black people. He gonna, he might feel, man, I'm the only white person here. But that don't mean he don't belong in that room full of black. Right. People. right. So when she said that to me, I said, this is why I pay you. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a powerful statement. And I'm glad that you said that because I think that's exactly the first place that people go is that I just don't belong in this space, Mm -hmm. you know, and people don't realize that if you are there, that's where you're supposed to be, you know, come on, come on. Yeah. Wow. That, that even struck me in you saying that. So you're gonna have to thank your therapist for me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. She is so amazing like she's so dope that now she's my I live in Atlanta now but my first therapist is from Illinois Mm -hmm. but I've told the both of them I said both of y'all gonna come to my wedding I don't know (laughs) if that's appropriate if that's if that you know blows a boundary Uh. how life-changing they've been for me yeah hey it's your wedding you can invite whoever you want right So you you talked a little bit about how being in the music industry didn't actually cause your depression, which I think some people might think it would have just given the scope of how the industry is. But it was something that followed you that you later got a diagnosis on in life. But did you ever at a point think that success and fame would cure the feelings that you are having? Because I know it's a common misconception that people have that if they just get that one thing or achieve this one thing, then they will be happy. Then everything will be better. Oh, absolutely. You know what? I don't know about you, but for me, I wanted to just escape my house. Mm. You know, and there are moments, you know, now I have compassion for my parents because they were just doing the best that they could. Right. But even in them doing the best that they could, there were moments where it was kind of toxic. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I can't wait till I get out of here. Oh, just let me go to college. Oh, just let me leave. And thinking that me leaving was going to make it all better or me being successful was going to take it all away. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, whether you are an entertainer or an or an accountant, an epidemiologist 
or an athlete. Adulting, when you start adulting, you've got, you got more pressures than, ooh, I didn't have lunch money today. Okay. Some people are employing thousands of people. You're trying to make sure that, you know, you please the football owner, you know, now I'm not saying lunch money is not a big deal because there are times where I was like, I don't have no lunch money today. Right. But I'm saying sometimes adulting, um, will, will kind of mess with some childhood wounds, So you'll find yourself being 35 wondering why you're responding like a 12 year old. Mm. Okay. I know that happened to me. So it's like, okay, well you got to figure out what, what was going on at the age of 12 that you didn't properly emotionally process and heal from. So your body keeps score of all of that stuff. Your body keeps score of trauma. Your body keeps score of how you respond to it. Are you an isolator or do you throw things? Are you a yeller? Are you a gambler? Are you a drinker? Your body will naturally want to go to how, how it knows to respond to things. So that's, you know, so as an adult, you know, you know, you learn to cope. And I think, um, for me, that was, that was interesting, um, to find out why in my adulthood am I feeling this way is because that little girl in me needed to be healed. Mm. That little girl in me needed to know that everything is fine. You know, um, there are certain things you don't have to have anxiety about anymore. Right. You don't have a toxic environment. I try to keep safe people around me. Every now and then one has slipped through the cracks. <laughs> always. That always happens. Okay. Right? <laughs> but for the most part, I keep a very, um, a, I, and I try to be a safe person as well. Yeah. So it's got to go both ways. Yeah. How different of a person do you think you would be had you not pursued a career in the music industry? What type of person would I be? Well, you know, I, I'd... St- I'd still be trying to, um, I'd be on this mental health journey probably because even the job that I wanted to go for, I was in college for criminal justice and I wanted to be either a forensic psychologist or maybe like a prosecuting attorney. Those are high stress jobs. Yeah. So this was going to, even my therapist told me, um, even with engagement, and marriage, she was like, this stuff was going to come out anyway, one way or another. Your childhood is stuff. Your childhood right. wounds, your childhood traumas and how you weren't able to cope with it and process it. She said it was eventually going to come out. Mm-hmm. So whether I was a member of Destiny's Child or whether I was sitting on somebody's legal team, this was going to come out. Speaking of just your childhood and being that little girl, some of my listeners may not know, and I actually only learned this from reading your book, that your birth name is actually Tanitra. And yes. when you joined Destiny's Child, did I pronounce it right, Tanitra? You sure did. Okay, good. <laughs> and, and when you joined Destiny's Child, it was suggested, probably I would assume not in the most eloquent of ways, but that you use Michelle, which is your middle name, because it's sold better. And we know that you know pseudonyms, pseudonyms and stage names are not uncommon thing in the arts and entertainment industry but when that decision was made did it feel like a part of you was taken away Um, yeah it it did um it is a loss of myself 
it's it's grief. It is grief because it's like I'm losing what I knew to be mm-hmm. of myself, right? Um, but at the same time, I wasn't gonna be like, oh well, I'm not gonna be in Destiny's Child because for sure, right? By another name, <laughs> right, so was, right, right. I was kind of like, you know, what do I do? And so I just kind of thought, like, man, it's kind of gonna be cool that I'm Michelle here, but my family you know, they still have Tanitra because I had to make a lot of sacrifices to get there, which is, you know, I couldn't go to family functions. I've missed graduations. I've missed Mm. Christmases and holiday, other holidays too. But, you know, when I do come back, they're like T or Tanitra. Um, But I will say, I'm not going to say that the world was getting two different people. You know, but yeah. Michelle, Michelle was a little curated. Michelle was a little more, you know, maybe poised or laid back. She was a little more quiet than Tanitra. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But I'd say for the past 10 years, I've been giving the world Tanitra. And Love it's it. like, take it or leave it. You know, Mary J. Blige, that song, Take Me As I Am. Yeah. Or have yeah. nothing at all. Yeah. <laughs> Were there specific parts of Tanitra that you made sure to never let go of, even when Michelle had become your identity through your career oh absolutely absolutely my faith you know Mm. Tanitra was a church girl I love that you know I kept that you know as who I am you know right now whether it was in Destiny's Child or who I am right now I literally just got off of a conference call and a friend of mine said um um, well, th- when you do this, you will, you know, since this is your mission, we know you're going to get it back a hundredfold. I screamed. I said, you better <laughs> preach. And I was like, Michelle, this is like a corporate call. So you can't take me nowhere. Honey. I'm always going to find a good That is who you are. I'm going to find a, yes, I'm going to find a sermon and something. Honey, I love that. I love that. And you know, in your book, I really loved it. First and foremost, I loved watching you on The Masked Singer. And I knew it was you the minute I heard your voice. I was like, that is Are Michelle. Like, oh, the, fir- the minute, the minute my sister and I were faithful watchers of that show. And we were like, that's Michelle. I don't know why they're trying to play. So, <laughs> but I loved how you described your experience of being on The Masked Singer. And you said that you had given a Michelle worthy performance, but you did it as you, as Tanisha, which is such a beautiful depiction of the costume you were in. It's a butterfly. And I just, I loved how you described that. So talk a little bit just about how that experience was for you just even coming into your own again listen when i chose the um that the costume of butterfly i was given a few things to try from mm-hmm. I, I chose the butterfly because it looked so dope it was so pretty it was it's gorgeous i love those colors but it was not until i got a text from my brother about metaphorically what the what the butterfly represents Mm. and i was like oh snap bro i just did it because it was pretty i didn't even think (laughs) of the transformation that i was going through at that time in 2019 you know and another friend of mine um she's a co-pastor of a church here in atlanta She and my brother don't even know each other, but she sent me a text saying the same thing. Mm. And I was like, y'all, I promise you, I didn't think about it. I just like the colors. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> but see, that's and how God works. That's, that's how, how God works. works. Right. And it, re- and it reminded me of like past outfits that Destiny's Child has worn sans the wings. Mm. Okay. Um, but I, I, I hadn't thought of it. But when I tell you, it was the most amazing experience that I was like, I can kill it like this other places just without a mask on. Yeah. So when I have to perform, like I have to do something on the 25th of this month. And so what I'm going to, what I have to do when I go on that stage is like, you sing as if you have the mask on. Yeah. But you don't like, don't look, don't worry about the people. Don't worry about what you think people's expectations are. When your name is called, you go out there and you give that same performance that you did on the mass singer. Because when I look at those performances, those were some of my most powerful performances as a solo artist. Because I didn't have to worry about if you knew who I am. And you also couldn't you see anybody, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, now, you, you barely could, but it was kind of like, you know, there was little cutouts to where yeah. I could see enough. Um, so is I think that's just like that for anybody, you know, to when your name is called, don't worry about expectations. It, are you prepared? And if you are prepared, you go out there and do what you've prepared and you do your absolute best. That's all I know how to do. That's great advice. I love that. Um, so talking a little bit more about your book, um, I think, first of all, the voice of the book is so fun and engaging, even though you're t- tackling a very heavy hitting subject. I really love how relatable it is. And I also like how you describe the way that depression works because no one truly is exempt from it. And you lay that out so beautifully and you know it can hit anybody at any time. Mm-hmm. And there are different degrees of depression and you go into that as well. And you know, so often when people, and you even talk about this a little bit, when people say, you know, or they're feeling depressed or feeling sad, there is an immediate pushback from people from the outside saying like, oh, you know, why do you have any reason to be depressed? You know, you have this, you have that, you have that. And it creates this stigma surrounding mental illness. And specifically, I know we can talk about the stigma of uh, talking about mental illness and therapy within the black community, right? So why do you think there is still such a stigma about mental illness in the black community and even going to therapy and just such a big emphasis on just church because I grew up that way too you know and I do but I do I fully believe you can have Jesus and a therapist and there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> absolutely it's kind of like therapy and yes you know it or it's kind of like um you have you go to the doctor and I go to physical therapy and that does not take a that does not lessen the Holy Spirit in me. Actually, yeah. it should amplify the wisdom that a person has to say, hey, let me go get help for this. Um, Dr. Anita Phillips, she's a pastor's wife. Um, she's a minister as well. She's also a licensed therapist. And she is so amazing. She said, Michelle, prayer is a weapon. Therapy is a strategy. Mm. She Oof. actually put it. She actually put it on a T-shirt. Dr. I might have Anita, to get that. <laughs> Doctor Anita Phillips. Love it. Um, yes. She's part of Sarah Jakes Roberts' um, "Woman Evolve" the podcast. Oh, okay. Okay, and great. She has her own podcast, and she speaks for Bishop Jakes frequently, especially when it comes to mental health. She is dynamite. The way that she can bridge faith, but give you that education and science all at yeah. the same time. 
So you that. can have therapy. It does not lessen the Jesus in you. It Jesus is probably like, ooh, thank you, child. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, finally. <laughs> she, he's probably like, I have equipped so-and-so to help you process this. It's kind of like, you know, when a person says, you know, they went to the doctor for lupus, mm-hmm. we don't shame them. We say, we say, oh my gosh, I'm praying for you. Oh Lord, that, that the doctors use wisdom and care and how they're going to treat this diagnosis. Okay, well, how about using that same thing with the diagnosis of another mental health issue or a mental illness? Mm-hmm. You know, let's pray for that person that God would give their psychiatrists and psychologists and therapists wisdom. Um, um, you, God, you're in the strategy, you know, for my care so that I can live an emotionally whole life yeah and i think in general though the conversation surrounding mental health has been growing in the last few years for sure and i i've loved seeing that but i don't know why and i i would love to hear your perspective why it's taken so long to kind of normalizing these feelings of depression and anxiety and the need for people to get help and just being comfortable discussing it i think it's I think it's getting better. I know I started this, I started discussing depression um, in 2013. And I can say from then till now, um, you know, and I believe it's going to get better. Um, I'm seeing more and more people open up about um various mental health issues i'm seeing people open up about addictions Mm. because there are so many people suffering silently who are in a faith-based community but will feel judged or feel like if i say this then i'm going to be in a world of shame people are going to point the finger and guess what there might be some people pointing the finger at you but guess what they're doing nothing they're hiding their secrets you just had the courage to share yours yes Yes. And I fully believe that, like you said, you know, Jesus, like I have fully equipped this person to talk to you. God can speak to you through anybody, you know, so you have to trust that if you're going to go seek help, that you're going to get the messages from that person to help you through whatever you're going through. And Mm. people just have to trust that that's what's being aligned for you, you know? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. In your book, I know you have the three uh, checking in practices, the pillars of checking in, right? But what, in addition to those, do you do to keep your your mental health in check? Even if it's something physical or going to the beach or whatever, what are things that you do just on a daily basis or monthly or whatever just to keep your mental health intact? Well, I'm going to say this. In a few moments, Judge Judy is coming on. <laughs> I love it. I'm obsessed already. <laughs> I am watching Judge Judy. Listen, I try to schedule my day be like, nope, don't schedule nothing at three o'clock Eastern time, if possible. Oh my god. That is gosh. my time to sit on my sofa and watch Judge Judy. People I love like, it. Yeah, but you can DVR it, you can record it. I'm sorry. But if my day starts at 7 30 a.m. by three o'clock, I'm ready to watch me some Judge Judy. That is the best answer. (laughs) Why Judge Judy? Because there are a lot of judges on TV. What is it about her? I don't know. She's just so, she might say things that I'm scared to say in conversation with people. Mm. Like, you know, you're crazy. Now she could be, now she's a little, she's a little, 
blunt you know i don't want to call anybody an idiot but it's something about maybe her being from jersey or new york that i'm just like yo she just went in on this person and she cracks me up because sometimes i'll have compassion i have compassion for the people that are like the litigants you know yeah. and sometimes she doesn't let them some of them actually have a real case and she's like, no, nope. I'm like, let them finish. Now, the people who actually don't have like legitimate evidence, I'm like, like she says, where did you think you were coming to the beach? <laughs> it's, I love her. She's like, why did you not come here with anything to, for, to prove your case? She doesn't mess around. That's for sure. She is brilliant. That's, that's why she's been brilliant. on so long. That's, that's why, why she's been on so long. And she's the highest paid woman and television yes and, you know so you know so there's something to be said for that now i will say things like um there are certain fragrances that i love lavenders and jasmines um i love music in the morning mm. i get up i listen my new song um that i've been on this year has been jj harrison you're gonna live to see it happen it's a 15 minute praise break type of song so i listen to that i make sure i have my one cup of coffee now, no judgment to those who do like eight cups, but for some reason, I got to have my one cup, that, that warm cup in my hands. Some, yeah. it's, it start, I don't know, it just grounds me in prayer and um, I don't do anything. Um, I make sure to do the little things. I love taking my car to go get washed. It's something about watching it go through the thing. And you can see the suds and the, for me, yeah. it sounds so small, but for me, I love that. I love going, I love going out to eat with friends and being in community, you know, for a certain period of time. After like a couple hours, I'm like, all right. But, you know, I make sure, yeah, ice cream sandwiches, you know, I tell people, even if you have a dairy allergy, they've got dairy free stuff. Yes. You know? Cool House. That's what I go to because I don't have dairy. I don't do dairy, but Cool House is a very good non-dairy ice cream sandwich. Just oh, throwing it out amazing. there. Yes. Yes. So it's just, <laughs> you know, things like that. And just keeping I just certain conversations I don't want to have anymore. Yeah. I don't have that. Is And another mm. thing that I do is boundaries. And the people that get upset that you have boundaries are those who benefited from you not having them. Mm, preach. Yes. That is so important. It's yes. so important to protect your space. It is so, it, yes, yeah, Melinda. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I, I, I'm glad that you said that because I think coming out of this pandemic, that made it made me realize who I wanted to give my time to. Mm. and and how I wanted to use my time because you know we weren't around a lot of people and it made you realize you know what relationships are valuable what situations benefit you and what situations make you feel good and there are a lot of things now that we're reopening the world and I'm like I don't have to do that anymore because it mm. didn't make me feel mm -hmm. good and in the moment I probably thought I had to but I came out of those situations not feeling the best not feeling the best version of myself so it's, it, it, it is hard to get to that point because you do feel like you're going to make people upset or you're going to hurt somebody but you got to put yourself first in those situations so I'm glad that you've discovered that as well because boundaries are so so important for your mental health absolutely absolutely for someone who hasn't read your book what are your three pillars of checking in Oh, thank you for asking. So the three pillars of checking in, um, in, in no particular order, but, you know, there are those. My mama would say checking in with God must come first. So yeah. um, 
But it's checking in um, with yourself, checking in with others, checking in with God. Like I said, in no particular order. Um, so I think in the morning, checking in with myself and checking in with God kind of goes simultaneously. Um, I check in with myself a minimum of three times a day. Mm -hmm. So definitely in the morning, how am I feeling? What I declare my day is going to be. That's the first thing. You know, um, checking in with others can be a simple phone call to someone or someone calling me. That's my accountability partner or just somebody that I know I can talk to and say, hey, you know, things have been going well for me, but a part of me is feeling a little low. You know, and I have my therapist, but it's nothing like a good girlfriend to be like, girl, please. Yeah. Um, and checking it with God for sure. It could be a moment of me feeling like sometimes I might feel overwhelmed or it could just be a check in like, God, I'm so thankful. I'm so grateful. You've been Lord, you've been just uh, you've just been a good father to me, mm. you know, and so yeah. I was not I wasn't doing that consistently in 2018 because you can get so busy and trying to do life on your own. And it's not that I didn't acknowledge God, but just sometimes he wasn't always the center of certain decisions. And I can admit that. Right. Yeah. yeah. So now with that, those three pillars, I look at it as, see, everybody has a ring light, right? And sometimes mm -hmm. our ring lights sit on a tripod. Let one of those legs or something be a little uneven or you forget <laughs> right. and it tilts over. That's kind of what my life will do mm. if I don't make sure that all of that is set. Those mm. that look at it as a, like a three-legged chair or yeah. a stool, you know, be, and also too, you know, with a three-legged chair that you sit on, those those pillars, you know, those legs have to be sure and stable because when you sit on it and it's not, you put pressure on it. So it's kind of like, I want to know what I'm made of if pressure, can I stand? Mm. You know, I can stand because I'm checking in. I'm doing those three things every single day. Yeah. Yeah. For someone who isn't, let's say, a spiritual person and may not, you know, pray or believe in God, do you still think that there's value that your book can bring them? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I feel like, you know, whether a person is a believer or not, you you had emotional needs that needed to be met. And if yeah. those needs were not met as a child, those you 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 it shows in your adulthood. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and so the reason why I incorporated scripture was because that's that's what I needed. And I'm a woman of faith. Mm -hmm. And um, I just felt like, hey, maybe you're not into it, but maybe I can introduce you to it. Right. Yeah, and yeah. if that's not something you want, I'm sure in another person's faith, um, there are some similarities, you know, um, of what I say versus what their book might say. You know, I asked you earlier how you knew it was the right time to share your feelings and experience with those around you. But how did you know it was the right time to write this book and share it with mm. the world? Um, I started the book writing process in 2019, not even knowing that a pandemic was about to happen. <laughs> you know, um, I just felt like, well, I had kind of gone off the grid for a while, except, you know, to do Mass Singer. And I was like, I'm a transparent person and I was eventually going to tell this story, right? Mm -hmm. um, in 2018, when I checked myself into the treatment facility, I know TMZ got wind of where I was. Mm. And that's, 
I was like, man, I don't want to have to tell the people in this way. So I had to get in front of the story and release a statement on my own. Like I said, I was eventually going to tell, tell it. And I said, well, since you were going to tell it, just tell it detailed in a book. And when I tell you, I felt like it was the time to give people language to maybe what they had been feeling or what they'd been feeling in the past, or if they themselves don't suffer with depression or anxiety, maybe you have a loved one that does. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten all types of messages. I've gotten a few people that tell me, Michelle, this is not my story, but I have a loved one that deals with this. And so it's, it's helping me to respond to what they're going through. Throughout your career and up until this point, what do you feel the most valuable lesson is that you've learned? Wow. Um, the most valuable lesson. Well, first of all, you know, to keep for acknowledging God and all that I do so that mm -hmm. he directs my path. Also, so that I don't become overwhelmed and make yeah. decisions out of haste yeah. or feeling forced like saying no to somebody it might hurt their feelings for a while but they'll find another way to do it or they can get somebody they'll get somebody else to do it and trusting god always trust god i've always trusted god but like i said when i tried to take things and use my own understanding my own wisdom you'll fail every time so I, i've learned that well, Michelle, you are so inspiring. I'm, I'm, I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to chat with you. And your book is just beautifully written. I, I fully enjoyed it. And I hope everybody goes out and gets it. Can you let them know where they can pick up your book, Checking In? Absolutely. You can go to checkinginbook.com. And once you go to that link, it will like give you most of certain book retailers it could be target barnes and noble wherever you want to get your books from you can now if you go to premiercollectibles.com though you can get an autographed version of the book nice beautiful okay? wonderful well thank you so much for just taking the time to chat with me you are such a beautiful human being oh, and i Melinda, i wish you continued you. success of course yes, of course yes ma'am thank you for everything absolutely you. absolutely mm -hmm. and to the listeners make sure you subscribe and we'll talk to you again real soon bye